welcome to the Body Aware Grieving with Margot Rose podcast. I'm Margot Rose, author of Body Aware Grieving, a fitness trainer's guide to caring for your health during sad times. This show is for you if you want to become wiser and more skillful at getting through difficult life changes and challenges. We're each here for different reasons. Experiences like losing a loved one or pet, dealing with an injury or illness, stress from relationships, career, or caregiving can all make it harder to feel good and function well. No matter what you're facing right now, you are not alone. Each guest on Body Aware Grieving is here to share their wisdom and offer practical ways to become more calm, confident, optimistic, and skillful, even while going through hard times. So today, I am, we are launching the Body Aware Grieving podcast, and we are very, very honored. I'm very honored, and we are lucky to have as our first guest, Dr. Mikkel Harris. Uh, Dr. Mikkel Harris is a licensed and practicing psychologist. She's a professor and expert in child and family health issues, including grief and loss. She's presented at over 25 national and international psychology conferences in the past five years and is a TEDx speaker. Dr. Harris has recently released her first book, a memoir, Relaxing into the Pain, My Journey into Grief and Beyond. And I invite uh, Dr. Mikkel Harris to join us today. Hi, Margo. Thank you so much for inviting me into this sacred space. It is such a pleasure to be an uh, interviewee on your first show, and <laughs> it's just a blessing. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. And uh, I just want to be clear, I, would you prefer that I refer to you as Mikkel or as Dr. Harris for the course of our talk today? Mikkel is just fine. Thank you. I appreciate you asking. Absolutely. Well, Mikkel, here at Body Aware Grieving, we want to learn how to get through hard times as smoothly and as safely as possible. And we're looking for practical advice. And obviously, you're a very accomplished woman. You've done and are doing so many fabulous things. And as we'll find out a little bit more when we talk about your book, you've certainly been through your own harder times. Mm-hmm. So for practical advice right out the gate, what do you do when you want to become calmer and, and think more clearly? You know, one of my uh, most favorite things to do is really to steal away from a lot of the, the busyness of life. Um, that can take many forms. Uh, I love traveling. Obviously, I'm not able to travel all the time, but in my daily life, um, I love to steal away, uh, spend some time to quiet my mind, and one of the things that I do to do that is by journaling. So I'm an avid journaler, and it's something that I really engage in to you know, really separate the, the stressors of the day and focus my heart and mind, which creates a calmness within my mind, body, and spirit. Mm-hmm. So is part of that... Like suppose, you know, traveling is when we have more time. When when you have only like a, a five to 15-minute, say, chunk of time and you really mm-hmm. want to ground yourself and get more functional, is, is finding a little bit of solitude part of what I'm hearing benefits you, especially if you're going to be using that time to do some journaling? Absolutely. Uh, one of the practices that I've done throughout years of being in private practice is scheduling time between my patients, even for two to three minutes where I will turn the lights down, uh, sometimes rest my head on the desk, so 
sometimes even spend that time journaling uh, just to be able to clear out the things from the past, you know, interventions and moments of patience uh, to prepare for the next. And it really helps to settle my heart so that I can be available to listen and be available to uh, the patient coming next. So it's a very effective practice, and it's one that I utilize every single day. So those transition times of even short bits of time help you be more professional and more skillful when you're moving forward with each segment of your day, it sounds like. Absolutely. And even in my personal life, Margot, I will find myself kind of tucking away again, uh, sometimes in the privacy of my home, um, sometimes I'll do this at coffee shops, and sometimes I'll do it in my car. Um, sometimes literally pull over to the side of the road and have a minute, two minutes just to stop and calm things down because we can get so caught up in the busyness of life that uh, we don't realize that we're actually overwhelmed. So sometimes it's nice to stop, pause, and do a bit of a, a self-check-in uh, to get going with the rest of the day. Okay, well, that's perfect advice and lots of suggestions within that. And so flipping this around, what are some of the things you do when you want to become more hopeful and more energized? Suppose something's helping you, you know, suppose something in life is making you feel discouraged or maybe down. I don't know if you like... You know, myself or many other people, we sometimes struggle with depression. Uh, even mm -hmm. if we're grieving, things can feel low. So if you really want to lift your spirit and feel more hopeful and energized, you're about to go into, say, a big meeting or when you're about to go do your TEDx talk, how do you mm -hmm. raise your energy in those experiences? Mm -hmm. What are some favorite mm -hmm. activities? One of the things you mentioned was uh, those moments where we feel down, and I think that is part of the human experience. I mean, there's going to be moments where as a result of life circumstances that you're not feeling 100%. And so something that I do to kind of re-energize myself is to connect with those friends and family members who have known me over time. Um, it's so important that to have kind of a baseline, especially people who know you fundamentally, who can say, hey, Mikkel, I've noticed that you, you're feeling a little bit different. You're acting a little bit different than you typically do. Um, that really helps to, number one, kind of reground me and focus um, and also helps me to basically gauge um, my behavior, my actions, my mindset, and so forth. So talking with people really helps to set, reset myself and uh, have that energy that I need to move forward. And this is something that I've done before presentations. If I'm feeling jittery or nervous or overwhelmed, is pick up the phone and call those key people who I know can really offer, um, you know, support and lend a hand in a way that, uh, a, you know, average person cannot do necessarily. Mm -hmm. So a, a really a short list of your most intimate and uplifting people that you can connect mm -hmm. with, um, then they're going to help bring you up and bring up your energy. And, mm -hmm. you know, I would, I would add to this. I think that's a beautiful thing to do. And I would add to this, especially because we are on a, a Body Wear Grieving podcast and many people might be um, recuperating from the loss of someone they've loved or someone who they've loved may or may not still be living but dealing with dementia, Alzheimer's, or something mm -hmm. that makes them feel not there even though the person is still physically alive. I would add the invocation of someone who has even the spirit of somebody who you remember, for example, a mother or a father or a favorite friend. Like if you want inspiration, you, you can almost picture them telling you or suggesting something or boosting you on or saying, you know, mm -hmm. continue, I'm going to be proud of you. You know, I'm proud of what you're about to do. 
do mm-hmm. you sometimes use as a way to connect and energize and become more inspired even people who who aren't still living? Absolutely. My mom uh, died in 2012, and she was definitely my greatest cheerleader, um, one who helped you know prepare me for where I am today, and one who always was cheering me on, um, giving me support, words of wisdom, and so forth. And so I often will utilize her as a means to get going, um, especially in those moments where grief is really overwhelming me. Um, one of the ways that I, I think about grief is in waves. So sometimes there's tidal waves of sadness that kind of overwhelm me. And in those moments, I really do focus on her and channel something that she may have said, whether it's, you know, Mikkel, keep going, or I see you. I know that you can do it. Um, I'm proud of you, whatever, to be able to move forward through that moment. And, yeah, it definitely gives me energy. and helps me focus on the next thing that I know would make my mom really proud. Mm, that is beautiful. And mm-hmm. well, since I'm on the brink of crying already, anyway, let's. <laughs> We're right there, anyway. I mean, I'm getting all choked up because I, I I have the same experience using using my feeling about my dad. Um, mm-hmm. So your your book, the title alone is amazing. Relaxing into the pain. I'm I would love it if you can tell us more about your book, relaxing into the pain, uh, and why did you write this book, and and how were you how were you motivated to write it and why did this book need to be written and and why were you the person to write it mhm first let me say that the title uh, relaxing into the pain my journey into grief and beyond really was not my idea um at my at the time of my mom's diagnosis which was in the fall of 2012 uh, she was diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer and um from her diagnosis to death was 30 days and so it was a very overwhelming time, yeah, very overwhelming time, fast-paced, um, sad, just everything that you can think of emotionally was happening at a roller coaster pace. Uh, so I knew shortly thereafter uh, her death that I needed to go to therapy. Uh, I'm a psychologist, and that's always something that's good anyway as a therapist and caregiver, uh, but I decided to pursue therapy of my own. And my therapist, in one of our sessions, um, this is, you know, described in the book, but one of the conversations we had was her asking me this very key question, which was, you know, Mikkel, what would it look like if you relaxed into the pain of your mother's death as opposed to fighting it? So that really became the impetus for the title of the book. And I realized that the more that I could relax into it, not in the sense of um, obviously feeling overjoyed about it, but being able to embrace the reality that, you know, she had died, this was the status at the moment, and kind of what could I do in my grief um, as opposed to resisting the reality um, that I would be able to open myself up to many discoveries about myself, about other people, about God, and so much more. So, This was a book that just had to be written because as I was going through my grief journey myself, I was seeking out other books to kind of help me understand what this process was going to look like. And one of the things that was challenging for me was not really finding a book that um, the way that I would describe it was realistic. Um, I'm a Christian by faith, 
but and one of the things that I was searching for was kind of this spiritual journey. And what I kept stumbling upon were books that really what I felt like minimized the grief journey. And my grief journey was nothing that was a straight line. There were ups, there are ups, there are downs, there are good days, bad days, there are emotional days, there are stoic days. And I really needed to write this book to really encourage those people whose grief journey was as wave-like as mine. Um, And I also needed to write it because I wanted my mom's death to not be something that was in vain. I wanted her life to continue. I wanted people to know about this incredible human being that God blessed me with. Um, So it was absolutely something that needed to be done. And I hope that it blesses uh, many, many people uh, around the world. Well, I, yeah, I'm glad to be, you know, part of your book launch process and sharing with people because, you know, remembering back to the intro, I mean, uh, Mikkel herself is a grief specialist and she's lectured all over the world around grief, grief recovery, families as they go through grief. So, you know, as valuable as this memoir would be and this instructional sort of guidance would be about relaxing into the pain and that doesn't mean it means doesn't mean doesn't mean it sounds like you know spending your valuable energy fighting facts but instead of that accepting some of the facts and and that this might be hard and it might take a while before you start feel better and using that energy to figure out well how am I going to feel better as opposed to fighting the fact that I don't want to need to feel better you know so I'm I'm glad to help more people know about your your you know you're an expert on pain and pain healing from both directions and I think that's incredibly valuable and I I also want to invite you since one of your many specialties is childhood grief mm-hmm. I would love to learn in your experience what are some of the most effective ways you've discovered to address the pain confusion and eventual healing and recovery around loss when a child is involved. Mm-hmm. And I guess that could be I guess that could be a couple things. You you have so many things that you're experienced with. So one is if it's a parent trying to adjust to the loss of a child or a child who is currently quite ill, and the other is how can a family explain to a child and help lead a child who's lost a family member or somebody they care about? Is that is mm-hmm. that those are two separate um, goals, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you have excellent advice for anyone on either side of those challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, prior to uh, moving to Los Angeles um, and even to Memphis, where I currently live, um, I worked at a cancer facility in Houston, Texas, and worked with children diagnosed with an array of cancer diagnoses, and that was really my first entree into uh, child death. And so over the years, I worked with many parents whose child died, and just listening to them and tuning into their heart, one of the things that they frequently said was that at the time of their child's diagnosis, there was a lot of support, a lot of rallying, whether it was from friends, family, medical personnel, their church, so forth. At the time of the child's uh, death, there was also that similar kind of feeling and energy of rallying. However, in the weeks, months following, um, the the support seemed to really taper off, leaving families very overwhelmed, isolated, depressed, um, sometimes to the point of, you know, experiencing suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. 
And so one of the, one of the things that I have, would have challenged parents to do, even in the, the face of the difficulty of coping with their child's death, is to continue to talk about their child. And I think this does two things. Number one, it honors their child's life to know that their child lived, that their life had meaning, and that they're valuable even in the face of death, like their, their life is valuable beyond death. It also keeps their voice of the child alive so that others around them know that it's okay to talk about that child. And so I think one of the, the greatest strategies is to keep talking about your child, to keep their memory alive, and to never allow the silence that can come from other people to reign. So continue to keep that child's life alive. Now, for siblings, um, I've also interacted with, obviously, families uh, who have surviving children. And so the conversation with them is also to not isolate. And one of the ways to do that is to keep their child, their, their sibling's memory alive, but also to be open to support. Um, you know, death is not sexy, in our society, I believe there's so many taboos related to death and dying. Um, unfortunately, we live in a society where people believe that we are immortal, but the reality is we're not. And so I think one of the greatest gifts that we can give to the community in the face of someone dying is to keep talking about death, to recognize the fact that we're all trending down that path. We will all, it's a universal experience, we will all experience the death of someone in our lives. Um, so encouraging that child, that family to continue talking about their loved one is so important. And by talking about it, that's healing. The more you're able to talk about it, that gives you a space to express what's on the inside. So keep the dialogue alive. Mm. Yeah, so many levels of, of great suggestions in there. And, you know, we, we people throw the word grief around and... Mm-hmm. I don't think people really have their finger on what that means. And, and when, mm-hmm. when, when someone, you know, talks about someone in a, in a way that remembers them, it can be, it can be their, their funniest thing they did at their fifth birthday. It mm-hmm. could be you can be telling a favorite story. You can be remembering their favorite food and eating that food and saying, oh, so-and-so loved this food. I can picture them when they were eating it. Or like that is grieving. Thinking mm-hmm. about and spending your energy you know, remembering and sharing perhaps the memories of somebody is grieving. It's not like grieving is some walled-off space, and it doesn't always have to be holding off grief can be as painful as actually doing some of those things where you remember, you know, the silence of trying not to talk about something can be more painful sometimes, don't you think? Especially you're saying these families, they don't get enough feedback mm-hmm. on a continual basis that people don't want to mention their, oh, I wouldn't want I mean, don't people err on the side of not mentioning that, that child again or that person right, I think, again? Yeah, I think, I think the feedback that I've received from families is that their family and friends will say, I don't want to bring up your child or bring up the loved one's death because I don't want to upset you. The reality is grief is upsetting. And mm-hmm. this is where I think educating the community about death and dying is so important uh, because, for example, I think about my mom every day. Uh, multiple times a day. So someone saying a funny story about my mom or even crying about her death wouldn't be something that's going to spark my grief. Like grief is always there. It's this presence that uh, cannot be denied. Uh, And sometimes talking about a a special memory 
is positive. It's a way to, again, keep the memory alive, but it's also a way to decompress. So one of the things that I, uh, one of the analogies that I like to use with families is this idea of a volcano. Grief unaddressed, untapped, is like you looking at a volcano that looks very calm. You can't see the lava that's churning underneath the surface. But grief always will manifest itself, as you know, whether it be emotionally, in our bodies, um, psychologically, through anger. There's so many manifestations of it. So the more we have opportunities to express the love that we have for someone, the more we're able to release that tension, that lava buildup, and have a healthy place for it to be expressed as opposed to it manifesting in more unhealthy ways. So self-expression is absolutely critical along this journey. So that is that is really fabulous instruction to people as they approach their own curiosity about how am I going to feel better after a loss, experimentation, what's going to make this easier for me eventually. And going back, just really, you said something really important that um, – especially around childhood loss, the, the attention falls off after the initial passing or in the funeral or mm-hmm. the illness and diagnosis in the funeral. And for ourselves and for um, as we want to support people who've been through things, I find it really essential, those memorial times. If someone's had a big loss, put it in your calendar because time can fly by, and if someone's grieving, mm-hmm. it, 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 it might be at a snail's pace for the person who's really grieving. So mm-hmm. put it in your calendar every two weeks or every month that you want to connect with that person after the big fanfare that people are so overwhelmed during funerals and memorials and illnesses anyway that it's those quiet months and years afterwards. So if you have a friend or you know someone who's gone through a big change, right now go to your calendar and for the next like three years, you know, put mm-hmm. that person's birthday in your calendar for the next three years. If it's someone who's lost a child, I would certainly think that the beginning of school might, the beginning of the school year might be hard for that parent who mm-hmm. doesn't have that child going off to school. Graduation times might be hard for that parent. If you really want to be this ongoing support to somebody, put it in your calendar because those dates will fly by. But when those dates happen, that person, even if they're not remembering that date on a conscious level, that person will most likely suffer or struggle on some level because that, that experience is hard for them. Does that, does that seem like a good suggestion, Mikael? Absolutely. That is such perfect advice. Um, I think the fear from those who are around a person who's grieving is that, you know, they're going to say something upsetting. And let's face it, there's nothing that anyone can say that's going to change the fact that a loved one died. But the, the fact is, your role as a supporter of someone who is grieving is to be available. It's not necessarily having the perfect thing to say because there is no perfect thing to say. Um, I met with a family member who, uh, of, a, of a person who had died, and they said that one of the, the greatest things that they were able to offer was their physical presence. Not saying anything, but just letting that person know, look, I'm here for you. I care about you. I know this is hard. In addition to asking a very critical question, which I use in my practice, and that is, how can I support you? Because I think when you ask someone who's grieving, how can I support you? First of all, it normalizes that they're grieving. It also communicates that you are there as a source of support, and it helps move out of the realm of assumptions. 
Um, you know, I think one of the major assumptions that folks have about people who are grieving is that we're walking around crying every single day, which may or may not be the case. Some folks definitely are, and it can manifest in different ways, but sometimes there's an assumption that if you're not emotionally uh, cratering, that you're doing well. And so to ask that question, how can I best support you, shifts the conversation, helps the person tune in to how they can best be supported, and then opens up a space for dialogue about the loved one and the grieving process. So that would be my biggest recommendation for those who are supporting someone who's walking the path of grief. I would I would want to piggyback in and see if you approve mm-hmm. of this addition. A lot of times, especially in the initial stages, a person's so overwhelmed or they're going through mm-hmm. something, they have no idea what would make them feel better. They're completely at a loss as to what what mm-hmm. they need right then. You know, I've never lost my firstborn child before. How would I know, you know, what's going to make this even a tiny bit easier? So mm-hmm. I would also come up with a few suggestions as a, as a supporter. You can come up with maybe keep it simple, two or three suggestions. You know, I'd, I'd love to make your, your favorite casserole. Can I can I bring that over? I I would you know. Do you need some time by yourself with your therapist or with your partner alone? I I would love to take your other children to the movies with my kids and and have them for the afternoon. Is that would that be okay mm-hmm. for you? You know. Yeah, absolutely. Really simple suggestions because sometimes a person's like, I have no idea would make this any better at all. And those few mm-hmm. suggestions, and you can you can even watch them. You know they'll. They'll have a little bit of a lift, like when someone's that. Here's the physical part as a as a supporter. You can you can hear it in their voice, so you'll see it. Something they'll either drop physically, their shoulders. They'll sort of sink in their seat and drop if something's mm-hmm. not a good fit or something feels stressful to them. They might not want to tell mm-hmm. you it's stressful. You know, no, I can't really have you come over right now. They not they might not say that if you offer to visit, but they you know they might go ugh with their energy level. But if you if you nail it. And if you are making a suggestion, you'll hear a little bit of lift in their voice. If you're in person, you'll mm-hmm. see a little bit of sitting up straighter, a little bit of breathing deeper, and you'll be like, aha, that mm-hmm. is right for this person because what's right for one person might be completely not what the other person uh, could, could, could need. So it's, right. I think, I, think, I think you're absolutely correct. And I think that that, especially in the context of a very intimate relationship, being attuned as you kind of alluded to about those physical changes that can occur when you offer relief to someone. Um, and I'll just add as a, an additional kind of strategy with coping with someone who is grieving is to say that you don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. That's okay. That's perfectly okay. I think it, it normalizes things for that person. It also takes the pressure off of you as someone who's offering support because it's not about saying the right thing again. It's about making yourself emotionally and sometimes physically available. So to say, you know what, I'm not really sure what to say. I've never experienced this type of loss, but I'm available for you in whatever way that you need, Um, whether that's anticipating it, as you've said, or explicitly asking what it is the person needs. So, yeah, I think those are all excellent ways to support someone who's grieving. Oh, my goodness, Mikkel. I, I knew we were going to have so much to talk about. <laughs> I knew it was going to be, you know, just a sweet and full discussion. Um, you know, my my intention with these podcasts is to keep them at about half hour long, which means we mm-hmm. would just be winding up in a few minutes. And so just a couple other things to get to. 
I would love if you have any kind of I want to I want if you have any kind of blessing or good wish that you would like the listeners of Body Aware Grieving something something from your heart or something that you would like to say or 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 send as a as a wish or a blessing to the listeners who mm-hmm. are who are here today or who are going to listen to this archived uh, version of this interview what would mm-hmm. you say almost everybody here is probably getting through a struggle or looking for information as a caregiver to support somebody who's going through a hard time mhm I will say uh, a couple things. First, um, you are seen, you are heard, and you are valuable. I think these are the kind of the three fundamental things that I think we're all searching for. And when you've experienced a loss or are struggling with something, sometimes you don't feel seen, you don't feel like people are hearing you, and you definitely don't feel like they're validating your experience. But I want to let you know that you are seen, you are heard, you are valuable, and you are not alone. Uh, I will encourage you to connect with those who you care about and who care about you the most, um, to make your story meaningful, to be able to bless someone else, and also to be able to receive the love and support that you so deserve. And again, Marco, thank you so much for just creating a space for being able to share a bit of a blessing or a kind wish to your audience. Yeah, it's um, I. This is, it'll be a whole other topic, but I've seen the people who have some form of spiritual belief get through mm-hmm. hard times easier, and so I want to find um, certainly embracing any religious form of spiritual belief, mm-hmm. but also for the people who don't have a particular religion that they feel supports them, how to how to have everybody feel that kind of somebody's with you, somebody's helping you, mm-hmm. and somebody cares about you, and that was a beautiful blessing that you've offered to every mm-hmm. listener here. And so how can we reach you and how can we support you? How can we, our, uh, the Body Wear Grieving community, how can we support the good work that you're doing and how can we stay in touch with you next? And where can Perfect. we get Thank you. Yeah. So thank you so much for just offering that uh, question. You can reach me. I'm on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is Dr. Mikel, D-R-M-E-K-E-L. Um, and that's kind of jam-packed. It's linked to one of my Facebook pages where I share a lot of health and wellness strategies that are grief-specific as well as uh, addressing health and wellness from a general perspective. So definitely on Twitter. Um, I have a couple of Facebook pages. Uh, one is dedicated to health and wellness. That's also at Facebook.com, Dr. Mikel. Um, and I also have an author page, which is Facebook.com, author Mikel, M-E-K-E-L. I would love to be able to connect, whether you purchase the book or not. If you have questions about Greece, if you have concerns or anything that I can help support you with, I would love to do that. That space has been so much fun to connect with people from all over the world. Um, if you are so inclined, my book's available on Amazon. Just go to the search bar, type in Relaxing Into the Pain, and you'll find the book uh, as well as some great reviews. And I would love for you to be able to share that, to be able to bless yourself as well as other people who may be grieving. It sounds like a great gift as well. It sounds like people mm-hmm. could buy, you know, four or five of those books just to have on hand, and then if they're just ready and if somebody's going through any kind of hard time, they, they have mm-hmm. a couple copies of your book nearby and they can say, here, I, I I care about you and here's a book that might help this journey. So, Yeah, so someone, are, someone asked Someone asked me a great question the other day, and they said, is this book only for those who've experienced the death of a loved one? And I said, no. Well, it definitely charts my own uh, journey with my mom's physical death, 
Uh, it's a book that's available for anyone who's experienced grief and loss. And you know what? That's all of us. So please check it out, share your comments, and uh, share the wealth. I would love to be able to just continue to bless other people. Thanks so much. Okay. Well, those are great ways to stay in contact and get more information. This is just the tip of the iceberg with Dr. Mikkel Harris. So many years of experience. Um, so those are ways to stay in touch with her. And that's it. We are coming to the close of my very first guest interview Yay. here on, I know. It's so exciting. We're Gr- I know. The Embodying We're Grieving with Margaret's <laughs> podcast is officially launched um, so please, yes. if you want to keep up with this podcast, um, there's going to be a way to subscribe on iTunes. If you could rate, review, or share this podcast, that would be fantastic. If you would like to get more information or order copies of, of my book, Body Aware Grieving, uh, A Fitness Trainer's Guide to Caring for Your Health During Sad Times, I'm also available on Amazon. Uh, BodyAwareGrieving.com is my website. If you'd like other blog articles, other audio um, podcasts that I've done, uh, I as well am on Twitter. Uh, Mikhail and I met on Twitter, so I'm mm-hmm. at BodyAwareGrief on Twitter, on Facebook. If you would like to connect there, it's BodyAwareGrieving on Facebook. You can search for that page. So here it is, the end of our first guest interview. Thank you so much, Mikkel, and I look forward to connecting and reconnecting with you and having you back on the show virtually anytime. Oh, you're so welcome. What a blessing to start this interview podcast. I'm so excited for you. Thank you so much for this time. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>